Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one, and we're back. Julie, it is December 14th. You only have a couple weeks to finish your Christmas shopping. I saw I you know. got I saw you got up early this morning <laughs> and you were doing the clock's ticking. And you were doing Christmas cards, I noticed this morning. Uh, a little bit of Christmas cards, a little bit of wrangling <laughs> property management, a little bit of kid <laughs> virtual school, a little bit of coaching clients, some premier coaching and book ideas. But yeah. Yeah. That's my morning. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's all good. But, you know, from coaching clients, I can say that there's maybe a little bit of a holiday slowdown. I mean, to that, Mm -hmm. I say it's about time because normally we see a slowdown before this. Uh, But many people still have closings happening, some of them right before Christmas, some of them right after. And by and large, they're sticking to it. We've got some lender delays going on. There's been a lot of questions about uh, post-forbearance mortgages. So we're dealing with some of that now. Uh, but generally, it's it's still, uh, I think most people have a good feel for momentum and just trying to catch a little breath before 2021. It's interesting you should uh, mention that. There usually is a noticeable slowdown right after Halloween. Yeah. You know, isn't that weird? And it didn't happen this year, at least no. not for most of the country, most of our coaching clients. Yeah, I really feel like everything was shifted forward about a quarter. It's like we have a replacement quarter for what happened in March, April, May, right around there. And the momentum is still there. I think that there are some fewer listings right now, people not wanting to deal with it during the holidays, but not like it's been in years past. I mean, there's still plenty of action out there. Definitely. So that tells me that the usual lull after the holidays isn't going to be there this year. So agents who are, uh, who've been in the business for a long time, they're maybe conditioned to think, well, I can just sort of kick around for January and then maybe Mm -hmm. start taking things seriously about halfway through February. And you know, it's funny, Julie and I can track trends with real estate agents, you know, essentially their activity going back couple decades because guess what we've been online marketing and we've been doing you know websiting and all the rest of the thing and syndicating content just doing all these things for two decades and we can see these very predictable um, patterns where agents are paying attention where they're not where you guys are opening your emails when you're not when you're watching videos and you're not and it is very very consistent and this is definitely um, a different year for the reasons that Julie just and I just stated so you have to assume that the pattern of being able to sort of laxadaisically roll back into the year, you have to assume that's not going to be accurate this year uh, going into next year. So make sure you're not procrastinating actually drilling down on your uh, 2021 business plan. And we've made it super easy for you. All you've got to do is text 2021 to 855-685-1045. Text 2021, the numbers 2021, you know, as in next year, text that to 855-685-1045. And when you do, we're going to text you back our fill in the blank business plan. And that is what we're focusing on for the rest of the year into the, you probably, uh, you know, I would say consistently 
up until maybe Wednesday of the week at Christmas. Probably sure. after that, we're going to take some downtime yep. and no live podcasts. But the reality of it is, is that you should absolutely positively be completing your real estate treasure map, which is your business and life plan. And so when you text 2021 to 855-685-1045, we will text you back a link and you click on that link. And then that link's going to take you to a, a website where you download the treasure map, but you also download seven other books, including your 12 monthly generation plan, um, including Think and Grow Rich for Real Estate, a lot of fantastic things that are perfect for you to be reading to prepare yourself for the new year, which we think is going to be the start of a long-term bull market in real estate. In other words, it's our opinion, and we're going to be presenting this to you in our uh, predictions um, podcast, which will be coming up probably next week. We're going to give you all the specific like 10 reasons why we think we are into a long-term cycle of really what's going to probably be the best leg of all of our real estate careers. And you know, the funny thing is, is it's, it's so, it seems so strange to say that because the market really was starting to peter out right before mm-hmm. COVID hit, right? Yeah. We're starting to see an increase in the notice of defaults. We're starting to see all the longer days on the market, a exactly. little bit more inventory. And yeah. then COVID hits and everything changes again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and now yeah. we're back into a seller's market. It's bizarro. It is bizarro. And you know, and again, we're going to be talking about all these on a future podcast as to why the trends have shifted and, and essentially what you can expect for at least the next three to five years. And I'll give you a little uh, foreshadowing of that podcast, all good things coming your way. So what you should do now is just text 2021 to 855-685-1045. Julie? Yes. Speaking of your business plan, so far we have taken you through some a lot of the financial parts you're supposed to at this point know what your personal and business overhead is and come to terms with how to handle your savings and your taxes. And you have now done goals in five areas of life. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, please get caught up on past podcasts because we have rolled this out in a very specific way where one thing leads to the next. You know, we talked about the magic number. That's the number of listings you need at all times to meet or exceed your monthly goals. Again, all of this is in the real estate treasure map in your 2021 plan. So don't despair if you haven't gotten caught up yet. Just text as Tim asked you to, to take it piece by piece. Okay, so let's assume that you have been keeping up with the podcasts. And you've got all that sorted out. Now we're going to talk about, this is more of a a mindset, but also a business concept, understanding the difference between internal and external motivation, especially with regards to your goals. So for example, most of you, we talked about this a little bit last week, but most of you, if you have at least survived, if not hopefully thrived in real estate, at least 12 to 18 months, you have now figured out probably how to cover your monthly overhead personally. You're covering your basic stuff. And one of the things that happens is that this ha- this is what you figure out first. This is internal, I'm sorry, this is external accountability. In other words, if you don't pay your cell phone, something bad happens. That's something external causing you to be motivated to figure that out. Now, a translation of that is if you want to know what truly motivates you, it's the old carrot versus the stick thing. Yes. But truthfully, it's the fear of losing what you already have. That is the main motivator for everyone on planet Earth. Even though a lot of people like to say they're motivated by moving towards a goal, the reality of it is, is if you want to be truly motivated, make it so that you are hopefully not in reality losing something that you already have, but it's at least psychologically might lose something you already have. And the something could be as tangible as your car or your house or your something like that, but it also can be prestige. It also can be, you know, no longer being part of a community or things of that nature. So fear of loss that's of something you already have is the greatest motivator. It's and way more powerful. And you can tell by people's behavior too, Definitely. Right? You can tell, but, and I'm going to demonstrate this because this is something you got to sort out to get very serious on not just setting goals, but attaining them. It's a great way to basically manipulate yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. So here's the thing. 
external motivation is what you just mentioned. Okay, so you don't make your car payment, they're going to show up and take it away. You don't go to the grocery store this week, you're not going to be able to feed yourself and your family. You don't pay your cell phone bill, they're going to shut it off. You know, it used to be you don't make your house payment and you're going to lose your house. Now that there's some cures to that, but eventually it will catch up with you. These are all external things that are very clear and that will hit you within a very short amount of time, especially things like your, your utilities and your cell phone, right? Okay, so internal accountability. This is something you've got to make more like external accountability. So for example, most people say, I want to save more money. I haven't had a coaching client ever say, I need to blow more money. It's always, I need to save more money. Okay, so we get you to be very specific about that, how much and by when, starting with 90 days of reserves, six months reserve, a year, five years, 10 years of reserves, however you define it. But why is it that year after year, most people have this goal of saving more money and yet they don't do it? It's because nobody's billing you for it. Nothing bad really happens until you get down to close to zero, right? Nothing immediately happens to you. So you put it off, you procrastinate, it's not as important. You'll get to it next year. It's, you know, nothing bad happens. So here's the goal. And the treasure map demonstrates this clearly. Most people can, unless you live in a really expensive market or have lots of kids in private school. So, you know, let's set that aside. Most people can pay their basic monthly overhead around $5,000 per month. Maybe it, their spouse is contributing and that's why it's about five. It's, in it's the five Midwest, it's around five, right? It's right. Yeah. I would say closer to 75 because the, yeah. the thing that five doesn't take into account is are there all the... For example, the incidentals that people Extrasism. right exactly and, and just income, to keep the math clear right, but let's yeah. it's just right. The, Julie and I are saying I the same thing, but in essence, it's basically seventy five hundred dollars is what we found. Now, if you're a you know maybe just a family of three, it might be closer to five thousand, especially if you're living in the Midwest. But we we're can, ta- we can use that though. That's fine. Okay, yeah. so seventy five hundred. That's that's functioning in life. Okay? Right. All right. So that is covering the external accountability. You don't pay it. Something bad happens. All right. So. In order for you to, you know, cross that bridge into getting, moving the needle and having all of your goals happen, which also have a price tag, for most people, it's three times, okay? And we've proven this doing probably thousands of treasure maps at this time. So if it costs you 7,500 bucks a month, it's not going to cost you 100,000 a month, which some of you think, to move the needle. It's going to cost about 22,500. But here's the rub. You got to figure out how to do it every single month for it to actually matter. You've got to make the goals as important as the external accountability. You've got to take your savings as seriously as if it was an actual bill. So what Julie is saying, and hopefully you're understanding, is that if you are having to earn, you know, $7,500 a month, and we went through this exercise last week, and what she's suggesting to you is you'll earn that 7500 because you're fearful of losing what you already have. So it's easy to be motivated around earning that base amount of living expense that you have, right? Makes sense? And honestly, most agents stop there. Right, of course. That's where they say, I'm in a rut. You know, I've got an okay career, I'm covering my bills, but I can't pull away from it. So where it gets interesting is when you start thinking of this, the other, you know, she said, take 7,500, uh, $7, multiply it by three. So the first third goes to your core expenses. The second third is going to go to your savings. Um, and the third is going to go to taxes. And so what are the two things that agents really do very poorly? Save and pay their taxes. Right. But they're able to actually keep their lights on. So what you've got to do is change your mindset about how you actually approach, especially savings um, and then taxes. And I'll, what again, we talked about this two weeks ago. We're reminding all of you now, the best way to do 
it is the exact opposite way of the way you've been doing it. In other words, save off the top. Yeah. Don't save what's left because there'll never be anything left because it's against human nature to actually save. Most people in the United States only have $400 saved, $400 saved. So that tells you that if you're a... If you are somebody who naturally saves, you're extraordinarily rare because most yeah. people might have one or two months worth of uh, cash flow. Like top producing agents, if they have three months or maybe four months of really negative cash flow, most of them are completely and totally on their backs financially because they haven't saved. And that's how people are conditioned. They're conditioned to think that they can borrow money to make ends meet. And guess what? A lot of times they can. And during the pandemic, all of a sudden you have these PPP loans and the government came in to mm-hmm. subsidize your lack of savings. Savings. I mean, those types of things you can't count on, and yet a lot of people, I think, do. So really, when you're thinking about why it is that you haven't moved the financial needle for yourself in a meaningful way, especially when maybe you're being introspective and looking back upon your year, if you haven't changed your financial you know, situation, then chances are it's because of the way you're actually approaching the accumulation of wealth. Remember, guys, the product of your business is profit, right? That's ultimately the litmus test of how efficient you are. It's not just of a, a salesperson and a business owner and as a real estate professional, but also basically, a, you know, essentially, it's a character thing, too. So if you're spending all your money generating leads, maybe you need to have a, a little deep thought about why you're not yet being a proactive lead generator. And maybe you're spending too much money on egoy things. And you need to ask yourself, well, am I doing this because spending money on this particular whatever, because I'm wanting to actually learn how to be more efficient at making money and helping people? Or am I doing it because I want to look a certain way? You know, I want to be an influencer. Am I making these videos because there's a direct correlation between this activity and the results that I'll get? Or is it because some other, you know, deeply rooted um, you know, essentially recognition reasons, which is essentially ego. A lot of you will discover that when you're really honest with yourself about why you're doing what you're doing, it isn't for the sake of actually helping people and making money. It's for another reason that has nothing to do with business. And it's worse when it's a pretty quick seller's market because a lot of times when they're starting to feel the pinch, at like a miracle deal will come together because the market's so hot and heavy and it'll kind of cover your butt. And because it's been a long time since it was even a balanced market, it's easy for an entire generation of agents to believe that, you know, it'll just come together for me. I hear that all the time. Like somehow it just comes together for me, whether that was because during the pandemic you got to put your mortgage in forbearance or was because one of your great past clients happened to contact you today. It's easy to believe that it'll just come together, but that is not a plan that's running on hopium. And once things change, even the tiniest bit, I mean, $400 saved, that that's like a half an hour away from the way down. the way we forced ourselves to say we did mm-hmm. it two different ways mm-hmm. the first way was is we were almost we did this very consistently for a number of years we'd have ourselves in contract yeah. on a mm-hmm. rental property to purchase usually our listings right yes. we're able to roll the commissions mm-hmm. in and whatnot but that's the way we always forced ourselves to be disciplined with savings money because we had to save up for that down payment that's right right and that's something that, that was a good yeah, a behavioral, uh, you know, it mechanism, happened. right? Mm-hmm. But it, but still, had we not done that to ourselves, we wouldn't have saved the money for down payments. No, no way, sure. we wouldn't have done it. And same thing, you know. Here's the thing: you were exactly right when you said agents do this backwards. They spend the money, and then if there's anything left, they call it savings. And when it comes time to pay taxes, they take it out of their savings. They're not actually segregating taxes and savings. 
versus when you go to make that deposit, you take your savings off the top, then your taxes, and then you spend what's left. It's exact opposite of how most agents operate. And there's a there's a real fallacy in the uh, business advice a lot of you guys are applying, and that you believe it's okay to run a non-profitable business. In other words, you procrastinate profit to some mythical point in the future where all of a sudden your business is just going to rain profit, and then you're going to catch up on all your savings and net worth building and all that. It never happens. When you hear people talking about running businesses, and you hear this all the time, essentially, it's a... You can have a publicly traded company. Well, what were the two IPOs last week? One was, um, uh, I don't even remember. There's two, or, or rent or uh, what were they? One was a vacation rental thing that went public. It wasn't VRBO, it was some other company. Oh, and, and the other one was like boy. something Dash where they deliver food. Yeah. yeah you remember that one? DoorDash. DoorDash, yeah. yeah. And, they, and both these companies went public last week and they went crazy. Mm-hmm. And I was reading about the financials in these companies. These, these companies have never made profit. Well, <laughs> they how, never. I mean, how long was Amazon not making a profit before they did? Yeah. And well, you hear about this and it sounds like that's what that's you're what supposed, you're supposed to, do. to do. And, and right. people will say, oh, I'm just investing it all. Right. Okay. That's exactly it. That's what agents will say. They say, I'm taking my money and reinvesting it in my real estate business. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, guys, that's not how you actually become wealthy. The way you become... Now, so look, let's be clear. There's a difference between increasing revenue, which is not that difficult to do in real estate because you can buy... You know, you could spend all your money and then some, and you can do all kinds of crazy things to try to buy business. You can pay ridiculous referral fees, and a lot of agents do that. Referral fees, just with these tech companies, you guys watch to see what Zillow is going to do. You're going to be paying you know, 60 70% of the revenue uh, into some form of referral fee and brokerage fees and all this other Mickey Mouse, and you're not going to have any profit left, but you'll have a unit. But you'll have a sale. And you'll believe it's normal. Right. And that's what you'll think. That's how you're supposed to run a business. That's what you'll be told. That's how you're supposed to run a business. And you will not make any profit. And nobody will care that you're not making any profit until you care. And so what happens then is you just go through your all these different sources of information that are constantly you know, barraging your inbox and your phone calls and everywhere else you guys, uh, you know, Facebook, all these other places you source information. Do you ever notice how none of them talk about the profit that comes from the idea that they're trying to impose upon you. None of them talk about actually whether or not it truly works to produce profit. Because I'm going to go back to the point we just made is at the end of the day, the product of your real estate business is profit. Now, here's another thing that people sort of raise eyebrows over when Julie and I say, you don't get rich selling real estate. That does not happen. You get rich from reinvesting the profit that comes from selling real estate. Do you understand the difference? So selling real estate in itself will give you a nice lifestyle if you follow just you know basic tenets of being, if you're a great market, if you're halfway social, you've got some skills, chances are you can pick up some business here and there and you'll have a nice lifestyle from it. But that doesn't mean anything really because that's just a transactional lifestyle. You've done maybe something that, other people haven't been able to do. Maybe you've broken free of the model. You're no longer working at a nine to five and you're an entrepreneur and you get a lot of ego satisfaction from that. But if you really are being honest with yourself, you've got to realize that you're probably what month to month. In essence, you're still paycheck to paycheck. Nothing's really changed in your life. Nothing's going to change in your life. Uh, until then they you, have a really good kick-ass year like this Until year. you put profit first. Yes. And then they have lifestyle creep. Right, right? exactly. Because they start believing that every month's going to be like that and it's always going to be easy. And to me, I, I mean, I'm always proud of our, our agents and listeners for having great lifestyles and figuring it out and doing a good job in real estate. But I also consider that, if you want to call it a model, it's not really a model, but if you consider that, I also consider them fairly high-risk agents 
for any change in the market, right. for any health problem that they might come across, or their spouse, or their it's, family. And it's does. not just a real it's estate crash. Risk. Everyone lives yeah. in fear of a real estate crash, right? right? Prices devaluing. But let's assume that's not going to happen because, listeners, it's not going to happen. No if, time soon. if that were going to happen, it would have happened earlier this year. There's not going to be a big cycle of depreciation. There's not going to be a return to 07 through 09 for a whole host of reasons. But here's the thing you can still suffer in the same way as if the market had crashed in a, boom, a booming seller's market if you're actually just trying to do a bunch of stuff that's not ultimately going to work to generate business for you. And so, Julie is off to. Premier Coaching, those of you who are in Premier Coaching, yes, we are going live, Mrs. Harris, with Facebook Live. And well, January 1st, we're going to start doing all the Premier calls. Maybe not the first, but. (laughs) (laughs) Right, Zoe, that's true, Zoe's birthday. So we're going to start moving all, we're upgrading all of our product offerings. Premier Coaching, we're, um, you know, you guys will be blown away by all the different things we've uh, been working on for the past like year to uh, raise the product to the next level. And things that many of you would have never asked for or thought we could do, we're actually going to reinvest in the product in many different ways. We're going to make it so, for example, the pre-listing pack is going to go to the next level. We're making it so that um, all, if those of you who do want to do marketing, you know, just basic stuff, we've actually, we're, we're giving you templates of marketing that you can just drop your own information on and it's already completely done for you, which normally some of the campaigns that we pre-developed for you would cost tens of thousands of dollars to create. We're doing a whole bunch of other stuff too that's going to make it so that we will be your one-stop shop in essence, so your one place you go to learn about every aspect of uh, building your, your business. There is a place in your business for marketing. There is a place in your business for social networking. There is a place in your business for doing just online stuff in general, but it's not the first thing you should do. None of the passive things are the first things that you should do. That's the main message I hope all of you guys are taking from listening to Julie and I's podcast and reading our book. You've got to do the heavy lifting first. You've got to learn to have the skills and do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do at the highest level. And then it's optional whether or not you want to play with the other stuff. Many of you will choose not to because you won't need to and because you'll frankly see that those things are just strictly passive and won't give you predictable, duplicatable business um, like the things we teach you primarily in our coaching program. That's the reason we ask you to do the hard stuff first because the hard stuff is going to make it so you have cash flow. With that cash flow, you'll then have savings. And with that savings, you can reinvest that money and you can be rich where your money works for you and you no longer have to work for your money. This is the ultimate goal that all of you hopefully are working towards. When you're sometimes feeling overwhelmed, when you're feeling directionless, I want you to really revisit what is your North Star? Is it essentially just getting more plaques and awards? Is it just basically building a team? Is it having other people, you know, real estate, you know, competitors and whatnot be envious of you? Is it all this ego stuff? Or is it, did you get into real estate? Yes, I know you got into real estate to be your own boss. I know you got into real estate to control your own schedule. And you probably also got into real estate because you wanted to build wealth for yourself and your family. Well, the first thing happens automatically, you're your own boss. And really, it's the second one does too with regards to your schedule. But does the third thing ever happen? Doesn't for most agents. Why? Because they don't have the discipline or mostly, I think, truthfully, they just don't have the direction to know how to actually go about accumulating um you know, wealth and how to be rich. Because when you can wake up, and I hopefully all of you guys will embrace this concept at the very least, when you can wake up in the morning and you know you have enough money coming in. Remember, Julia was just saying that in essence, your goal should basically be, you know, basically you have to earn, if it's $7,500 a month, you should be thinking in terms of three times that. And so that might be intimidating to some of you, and I know it is. So you start out smaller and you work up towards that. Others of you, you're already conditioned to make that amount of money. 
But here's the goal that all of you should consider moving towards. Having enough assets that produce the cash flow necessary for you to cover all of your business and, well, primarily your, your personal expenses. When you have that coming from rental properties, you could have it from a whole bunch of different sources that we're going to talk about later this week. You will then discover that you can then um, replicate that. So one of the suggestions I give everyone, and it's in our book, I think it's chapter 16 or something, is your first order of business is to produce um, income enough from passive sources that covers your personal overhead. Then you want to base, you don't stop selling real estate, you keep selling real estate, but then you, again, keep uh, producing profits. And then don't take the profit that's coming from the um, assets that are covering your personal overhead. In other words, keep earning the money to cover your own personal overhead, but then take, say, for example, you, you acquire you know, three or four rental properties. And let's say from those four rental properties, let's just say you're earning $5,000 a month, right? So that's net profit, let's just say. So from that, and I know the properties are going to have to be paid off and there's some, you know, just stay with me for this idea. And then with that money, don't spend it. You know, you have to earn, you know, squirrel away some for a savings account for each property. Make sure every property has American Home Shield warranty on it. You make sure you have good uh, renters or, you know, owner's insurance. And there's policies out there that will actually uh, cover if the property is ever, um, frankly, if the tenant ever trashes it or if it's ever, it, you if uh, you lose rent because the property is being rehabbed. There's insurance policies that cover all that. So you could actually mitigate a lot of the potential downside for owning rental properties. But let's say you get it to the point where you have a rental portfolio that's earning, say, $5,000 consistently per month. Don't just all of a sudden start spending that money on your personal overhead. And that's another mistake a lot of people make. Instead, take that $5,000 and maybe use that as a, you know a, accumulation of more savings to buy rental, more rental properties. Or if you want to diversify, look into, for example, buying Vanguard index funds. Look into investing in things that are dividend paying. In other words, you can buy stocks, guys, and you Google this yourself. That will produce some. In some cases, they'll pay you six percent per year on your investment. So then, once you've got your business that's churning out um, good, predictable, duplicatable income, then you take the profit from that business and you buy the rental properties. We always suggest rental properties first because all of you guys can get discounts on them because you know you're in the real estate business, right? The best way to do it is the way we did it, where you buy your own rental, you buy your own listings. And then you take that profit from the rental properties and then you start putting that towards something that's not dependent on the real estate industry, which in our opinion should be what I just proposed to you with regards to index funds. And so ultimately what you want to have is seven sources of income that are sufficient enough to use my example, $5,000 a month. So work towards creating seven different sources that produce at least $5,000 a month. I know that's a big goal, and most of you will probably, if you really focus, you'll get to three or four, because you can. It's not difficult to do. The main thing you've got to remember is you have to keep selling real estate. You have to keep selling real estate, and you have to run a profitable real estate business, and look at the business itself as an ATM machine to essentially then basically invest in other things that will produce passive income for yourself. This is a slow uh, way of uh, building real wealth, but it definitely works. It will take longer than you think. It will require more work than you think. It's going to take some sacrifice. All these things are true. I'm not going to lie to you. But at the end of the day, you're going to have a, created multiple sources of passive income. So then you will, by definition, our definition anyway, you will be rich. And rich is where your money works for you and you no longer have to work for your money. So I want you to consider Maybe when you're completing your real estate treasure map and you're you know, doing all your math and you're thinking about all these things, 
Maybe the idea of actually having enough mailbox money, as some people are fond of calling it, coming in every month, maybe that in itself, the just if you you know meditate, think about, talk with your spouse, your partner, your loved ones, think about just go on a walk with your dog and talk to your dog. What would it feel like to wake up in the morning knowing that you had enough money coming in every single month for the rest of your life? Like, you know, you are, you have made yourself the rich kid, right? What would it feel like to make it so that was your reality? So you no, no longer actually had to think about where your money was coming from. It just was basically going to come in automatically despite you in some cases. That's a pretty mesmerizing idea, isn't it? Isn't that the reason ultimately you got into real estate? Because if you really drill down on what your true motivation was to get into real estate, if you really cut through all of it, isn't it ultimately because you wanted to be free? right? Isn't that the real motivation? Yes, free from a schedule and free from a boss, but isn't the ultimate goal the freedom from having to worry about money? Worry about money in the sense that so many of you have gotten used to basically having the omnipresent, you know, 800-pound gorilla on your back. That's, you know, essentially having to pay bills. What if that were gone? What if all of a sudden the house payment was good, the car payment was good, the electric, all the food, everything was squared away, paid automatically through passive investments? Now, here's the thing. We do create a plan for you. It is your real estate treasure map. Just text 2021 to 855-685-1045. Um, and we also talk about it a lot in our book. And um, you know, this is the reason I think a lot of you guys are attracted to us because we're giving you a very clear plan how you can go from you know nothing or in many cases less than nothing to being a multimillionaire. This is how you do it. And guess what, guys? This is the perfect phase in this crazy economy to actually start accumul uh, accumulating wealth. Here, I'll give you an example. I was listening to uh, Lawrence Jung, the National Association of Realtors Chief Economist, and he was talking about, in essence, what the projected... Now, he was saying appreciation, but it really is inflation rate for homes are going to be next year. In some markets, guys, it's double digit. So if you bought a house for pick your number, um, you know, that house could by itself with you just purchasing it, and putting a tenant in it, that house by itself uh, could appreciate tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, and where Julie and I live, some of the properties, now we live in this weird area, it's a parallel universe, but some of the properties where we live have doubled in value in, in 12 months. Doubled in value. Now, if you were smart enough to have acquired something, and like we're, you know, we were looking and um, we bought a little cabin in North Carolina, in Murphy, North Carolina, this beautiful little, you know, area up in the mountains in North Carolina, one of the most picturesque places Julie and I have ever been before. Um, yeah, so we we watched that market for a good long time, and guess what? Properties there are going up by thirty and forty percent. And this is in an area of the country where properties have never appreciated like that or inflated like that. So when you're dealing with a economy and essentially a Fed policy that's already basically, um, you know, it's going to be less than three percent for at least three years. And in essence, they said that they're they've decided to keep the interest rates at this ridiculously low rate. I mean that in a good way until 2023 and then maybe beyond. That means that you're going to have an opportunity to do, you know, obviously seize the market in the, in the sense of selling homes and helping people, but also to start acquiring assets that will increase in uh, cost through inflation. And that is a great way for you to build wealth. And if you can lock in something at a 3% or less rate, a rental property, maybe it costs you a little bit more, do the math. But if you can lock in some assets now, um, you're going to be incredibly well off going down the road and more than you can possibly imagine. Um, don't I, a lot of you have asked Julie and I about, you know, are we predicting any kind of real estate crash like there was back in 07? I said this a second ago and I'll repeat it. There really is no reason why that would happen for just for a whole host of reasons. 
Um, but I would not, it, maybe in some markets, maybe in some, you know, like Miami, you're seeing it with condos and you saw it up in, um, you know, certainly parts of New York City and all the rest of it. But for the most part, no, there's no real reason to believe that's going to happen. And I'm going to give you another little cautionary tale about rental properties. Just because you live in an expensive area and there's no properties that would even remotely pen out in terms of being rentals, uh, that doesn't mean you can't get into the rental business. As a matter of fact, it's actually an excellent idea if you live in an expensive area of the country where you can't make rentals work because the, they're, they're too expensive to start with. Um, diversify. And, and you know most of the smartest landlords that we know, the in- property investors, they intentionally skip the super hot markets because the properties are hard to cash flow. And they look for the market. It's like, for example, Murphy, North Carolina or Columbus, Ohio. But Columbus, Ohio now, frankly, has gotten too expensive. So if you start looking for, for diversification of where you're going to purchase these properties, don't just purchase them in your own backyard. Um, purchase them in different states. And if you don't know how to go about doing that, well, guess what? It's not that difficult, right? You know, Hit up realtor.com, start studying the market. Um, befriend some local agents and start, you know, carving out idea, you know, properties that might make for a good, a good purchase. And don't buy junk. I mean, don't buy stuff that we are not multifamily investors. We're not going to, you know, ever because why? Because at the end of the day, the properties that always appreciate and are always in demand are smaller single family homes. And that's all we own. We, we have one double. And other than that, they're all smaller single family homes. They stay rented. We have very rarely any turnover. Um, and they always are in demand. So if we wanted to, and we never have, except for our first house, which we should have kept. Here's a funny true story. Our first house cost, mm, what was it? $71,575. That's what it costs. Uh, 280 East Jeffrey. And I was in I was on Realtor.com last night and I just looked and it just closed for $231,000. Now we bought that house in 2003, I think. So that, you're talking about a good long while for it to go up that much, but it is crazy what values have done, even in markets like Columbus, Ohio. So I would strongly encourage all of you to go back, listen to this podcast, read our book, Complete Your Real Estate Treasure Map. Um, doing what we're suggesting you do is going to require a pivot in priorities. And I mean, from every aspect, you know, from financially to maybe even in a lot of ways, spiritually, to be honest with you. Because if you really latch on to the idea that you can be free where your money works for you, you no longer work for your money. Where if you can really attach to that emotionally, what that would feel like to be in that position, you're going to sort of, you're going to instantaneously start running your thoughts through different sets of filters. You're going to be a lot more careful, a lot more selective what you do and who you listen to. And that's how you've got to be. Then you're going to start saying when somebody comes to you with a whiz-bang idea, you're going to start asking yourself, will this actually result in a closing in 90 days or less? In most cases, it won't. When somebody comes to you and they purport to be an expert and they're going to tell you how to do all these things with your business, and yet they've never sold real estate. If they ever sold real estate, they didn't sell a lot of real estate. And if they happen to sell a lot of real estate, they didn't do it for very long. In other words, they aren't really people you should be listening to. This is the type of thing that you start, or these types of you know common sense approaches that you should start applying to your own um, your own business and your own sort of, you know, essentially business philosophy too. And when you do that, you'll start finding that there's actually not very many paths up the mountain in order to basically uh, accumulate wealth. And if your goal ultimately, and maybe I'm giving you this goal, maybe I'm suggesting this goal be to you, that you essentially make it so that you're rich where your money works for you and you no longer have to work for your money and you can live off passive income. Maybe you've never really had a clearly defined goal before. Maybe your goals have all been more shorter term, right? Buy this, pay that off, go vacation here, whatever. Well, those are you know good goals. There's nothing wrong with them. But I'm asking you to consider if you were to actually accept the challenge 
of making it so then let's say within three years or less, and you can do it within three years or less. I've had, Julie and I have had thousands of coaching clients that have taken on this challenge. People will come up to us at live events and they'll mention this podcast, for example, or the book or another podcast we've done on this topic. And they'll be like almost emotional. In some cases, they are emotional because they had never figured, no one was telling them how they could actually get to this point where they were financially free. And now that they are or they're close to being that way, the emotions that are um, being let go of because you don't have that 800-pound grill on your back anymore are profound. Um, and it's really a fun thought exercise, if nothing else. If you start thinking in terms of if you had just this one, I'm going to round the bend with you guys because I'm trying to do my best to motivate you to complete your treasure map, right? So here's the prevailing thought I have for you. If you had enough income coming in right now passively that you never had to worry about money again, what would stay the same in your life, right? I mean, it's easy. The other way of asking it, what would change? That's an easier way to answer it too. But I want you to tell me what would stay the same. And, you know, it's a fascinating way, it's a fascinating way to spin it in your head because if you really work on it, you no longer have to work for money. Your money is working for you. Now, if, what would stay the same? I'll, I'll give you the answer because I've you know, experienced it. I've seen it happen with all of our coaching clients, most of them anyway. Nothing stays the same. Not, I mean, obviously, you're going to, I'm not suggesting that you, you, know, you burn your house down, but I'm suggesting that you will start thinking through different sets of filters because of the person you became in the pursuit of essentially being financially free. You probably won't vote the same way you voted in the past. You won't be as judgmental as maybe you've been in the past. You won't, you know, all the things that the pressures from the financial burdens created in your lives, you're going to let those things go. And when you let these, those, those feelings go, when you could start just seeing them as what they were, they were sort of imposed upon you that, you know, some of these lifestyles that you guys have are predicated on you having to earn a job in a particular geographic area because that's you know close to this type of work and that type of work. In other words, you have to live where you live. For you to live anywhere else or to pick up and move would be impossible because financially you can't swing it because it's maybe too much of a risk. All the different reasons why you know people stay put and they don't move around very often anymore. Or, you know, Frankly, they do move around, but they're still staying and essentially tied to specific industries, right? So if you're in the pharmaceutical industry, you might move from Atlanta to Columbus, Ohio, for example, but you're in essence still doing the exact same thing. Well, if all of a sudden, you know, you didn't have to work anymore where your money was coming in passively, but you still chose to work because you guys are in a blessed industry in the real estate industry, but the nature of why you were doing the work changed. You weren't doing it anymore to pay your water bill, right? You're now doing the work because it's a pleasure to do it. You're enjoying helping people and making money because you're now seeing that that money is going to, you know, pay for things that were voluntary. You can donate money. You can, you know, set up some, your kids or your grandkids or your neighbor's grandkids. I don't know for college. You can do whatever you want to do. That's where all of you can be. And you can do their quick, do that quicker than you think because of the fact that this industry is going to just take off to go to the next level. But you've got to wrap your mind around it and don't allow yourself to think small. However you thought in the last 12 months, look at it as basically being maybe 10% of what your potential is over the next three years, right? Whatever you did in the last 12 months in terms of physical, mental, psychological, spiritual, family, it was 10% of your potential that you could actually eclipse your wildest dreams and fantasies over the next 36 months because um, of the uh, tailwinds that you're going to have rolling into the new year. That's exciting. <laughs> it is. That's incredible. Um, you know, and so we're looking forward to doing that predictions podcast for you guys. It's coming up hopefully 
Um, I'm actually working a little bit on it every day. I write one down and I'll say that that's not good enough. And then, you know, Julie will write one down and we'll toss it back and forth. We're really trying to give you guys a drilled down applicable roadmap for what we see the next three years to be like. And it's really difficult. Like I try to challenge myself to come up with a pessimistic uh, perspective. Why would this not be what we're expecting to have happen? And I'll go in and I'll, I know sometimes I'll throw a Google search out there to see what other people are saying. And there is no reason to believe, and I have not found one little tidbit of information that would lead me to believe anything other than what I'm selling. <laughs> selling. I am selling it to you guys, aren't I? I'm selling it to myself too, right? What I'm telling you guys and selling you to hopefully understand is that your best years in your real estate business and probably your life are still in front of you, not behind you, <laughs> okay? But you know, everything that you want in life that you haven't achieved yet, dust off those dreams and those aspirations. They're still there for you to for you to grab hold of them. If you've forgotten what they were, complete your treasure map and you'll rediscover them. But just remember, ultimately, what most of you probably want, if you're really getting down to the root of it, is you want freedom. You want libertas, which is Latin for freedom. You want the ability to wake up in the morning and no longer have to worry about money. You can create that because you are smart enough to get a real estate license and because, frankly, you're in the right place at the right time. So if you've not yet downloaded your real estate treasure map, please text 2021 to 855-685-1045. Text 2021 to 855-685-1045. In the meantime, guys, thank you for continuing to make this number and listen to daily podcast for real estate agents. It's, what, 55, 57 different countries where we're getting listens and downloads. It's an extraordinary honor uh, that all of you guys let us into your lives on a regular basis. Please do us the favor and share this podcast with at least five other agents. Just do a Facebook post, retweet it, do whatever you're going to do, but please help us get the word out. Um, and also, uh, we really certainly appreciate it if you are um, listening on iTunes or if you hop over to iTunes, just put in Real Estate Coaching Radio. You can Google it. You'll find it. And then give us a five-star review. Don't give us a four-star review, a five-star review. So for those of you doing podcasts, uh, here's how it works. Uh, iTunes is essentially the mothership for all podcasts, as all of you guys know or should know. Well, no one knows exactly how iTunes goes about doing the ratings for which podcasts are, you know, this, that, the other thing. Julie and I track specifically, we just track our downloads and our listens. So we can get pretty good analytics on that. But nobody knows for sure how iTunes goes about deciding who's the number one, who's the number 10, who's the number 1,000, right? Um, the belief is it's the number of reviews within a, uh, like, less than 30 days. Uh, the, the going uh, perspective was it was... Uh, uh, subscribers. But now the belief is that iTunes, Apple is actually paying attention to the number of reviews and they only give credit to five-star reviews. Isn't that interesting? So if you're trying to get a podcast going, do what I'm doing, ask people to give you a five-star review because it's definitely going to make a difference. Because then what happens is if Apple sees that your podcast is getting a bunch of five-star reviews, then they say, well, this must be worth listening to. And then they'll find uh, they'll find people who are listening to similar things. For us, it might be an entrepreneurial podcast. It might be obviously real estate, something like that. And then they'll say, listen, listen to this, I, this, you know, real estate coaching radio, Tim and Julie Harris podcast. Uh, other people, you know, put a lot of value on it based on their ratings and you might as well. And that helps us to get more listens. So please do help us with that. Uh, give us a five-star review on iTunes. And also please do share the podcast with at least five other people. In the meantime, what are you going to do? If you've not done it yet, text 2021 to 855 685 1045 and we'll text you back a link to download your real estate treasure map in the meantime guys merry christmas happy holidays happy hanukkah kwanzaa whatever it is that you celebrate um, and we'll talk with you on the show tomorrow 
This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.